This morning we hear a portion of the Gospel of John that is very familiar to us. Uh, lots of times in a, in a funeral or graveside setting we'll hear these words, but they're words of great comfort, words of great strength, and also give us guidance for our lives. Would you be standing please as we hear these, the words of Jesus as he spoke to his disciples the night before he died. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the, pla- that you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. So from now on, you do know him and have seen him. May God bless the reading of his word. Many of you who know me well know that preaching was not my first career choice. When I was going to school originally, I was on track to become a Greek professor, a dry, boring Greek professor. I know it still comes out at times. I'm sorry, I I can't help that. But uh, because of some things that happened in life, including the death of a major professor, which I still maintain I had nothing to do with, by the way, I ended up over here doing this. But every once in a while, when I read a passage, those old juices start flowing again. And I just feel the need to jump in there and do some analytical looking at some of the language, some of the words. And so we're going to do that today. And, and, and this is kind of dangerous to do with this passage because isn't this one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture? It's like a, a precious flower. You know, you just hold it and you behold it and look at it and think, wow, that is just gorgeous. And it's a little dangerous to start ripping into it and looking, you know, I don't want to destroy it at all. But I feel like that there's some things in this passage that because of its beauty, because it just brings us comfort to hear the words, that there may be some advice and direction there that Jesus is giving us that that we've missed out on. So I'm going to hold my breath a little bit, and we're going to try this and see if it's helpful at all. These beautiful words that Jesus shared with his disciples came that night before he died. And in fact, several chapters here toward the end of the Gospel of John deal with his conversation that he had with his disciples immediately before his death. There's lots of events there, but right before Jesus says this, he had told his disciples, I'm leaving. I'm going away. Well, Peter, impetuous Peter, says, well, where are you going? I want to go with you. And he says, Peter, you will go where I'm going but you can't go right now. Now, Peter is impetuous, impetuous. He is, he's someone that, that really jumps the gun a lot of times, but he is also a very intelligent man, and it seems like he gets the idea of what Jesus is talking about here. 
Because he says, but I do want to go with you. I'm willing to lay down my life for you right now. And Jesus kind of smiles at him and says, Peter, Peter, you know, you're not ready to lay your life down for me. In fact, before your alarm clock goes off tomorrow morning, you will have denied me three times. And it's at this point, now that Jesus has introduced his own death as a subject, and now that he's also addressed somewhat the death of Peter and the disciples, he takes this opportunity to talk about dying, his death and their death. And he begins by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. This is a word, troubled. In Greek, it's terasso. This is a word that John has been saving for this moment. It's a very powerful word. It, it describes the feeling that all of you know well. That feeling that you get sometimes in life when you're facing experiences that you've never faced before or experiences that you've dreaded facing and you don't know what's going to happen and you're, you're scared, you're troubled, you're upset, you're anxious. You can feel it in your throat. You can feel it in your stomach. You can feel it in your heart as your heart starts pounding. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And John has been saving this word. I think it's a word that he knew he was going to use back when he first started writing his gospel. First, when he started dictating those lines, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He knew he was going to get to the word troubled before long. But the interesting thing is that this is not the first time that he pulls that word out. He actually introduces that word back in chapter 11. And then he uses it again in chapter 12. And then he uses it again in chapter 13. And now it's chapter 14. And in chapters 11, 12, and 13, that word is applied to someone who is upset, who is scared, who is worried, who is panicky, whose heart is racing. And do you know who that person is? It's Jesus. Every time. Now, that demands us to stop and look at this. Because three times in a row, and this is no coincidence, three times in a row, Jesus is described as terasso, upset, troubled, anxious, scared. And then he turns right around and points his finger at his disciples and says, Don't be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. That demands a little explanation, a little exploration. The first time Jesus is described as upset is in chapter 11 when he is standing in the cemetery where his good friend Lazarus had been buried. He has encountered Mary and Martha and all their friends. They are crying. And in the verse before it says that Jesus began to cry, this word is used, and Jesus was troubled. 
The second time it applies, in chapter 12 that it pops up, is when Jesus is sitting there and all of a sudden it hits him. I'm about to die. I'm going to be hanging on a cross in just a few days. And it says that very thought caused his heart to race. It caused that lump in his throat. It caused that queasy feeling in his stomach. And it says he was troubled. And then the third time, chapter 13, has been just a few minutes before chapter 14. Just a few minutes before that, he's sitting with his disciples eating together. And it dawns on him as he looks at their faces that one of them is going to turn traitor. One of them is going to betray him. And it says the very thought of one of his best friends turning against him caused him to be troubled. Now, how is it that if Jesus, for three chapters before this, is upset, anxious, troubled, that he can now turn to his disciples and to us and say, let not your heart be troubled. Well, it's for two reasons. One is that if we go back and look at each time that Jesus was upset, then we notice that he immediately did something. Because there really is no way that you can tell someone not to feel a certain way. Have you ever really been upset if someone comes and puts their arm around you and pats you and says, now don't be upset. Don't ever do that to anyone. If someone is upset, they're upset. You, you can't say, don't feel that way. That is one of the most nonsensical statements that can ever be made. You know, don't let anyone ever tell you don't feel the way you feel. You feel the way you feel. You, you can't turn feelings off and on, can you? But you notice that every time Jesus started feeling this way, he does something. That you can control. You can control what you do when you're feeling however you're feeling. You can make a decision that you're going to do something. Even if you can't make a decision, you're not going to feel a certain way. And every time Jesus was upset, he did something. In, in the story of Lazarus, what did he do? Well, he turned around and he said, let's go. And he went to the grave and they had him open the grave and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I wish we could address our problems that way. <laughs> but he did something. He said, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to bring what I can to this situation. He did something. What about the time where he's sitting there and it suddenly hits him that in just a few days he is going to be hanging on a cross and it says it just overwhelms him and he, he is troubled. Well, he immediately prays to God. He says, God... I'm scared, but how can I say I'm not going to do this? This is the very reason I have come. And he summons up all his will and says, God, be glorified in me. And God speaks back to him in a voice from heaven and says, I have been glorified in you and I will be glorified in you. I will use you to glorify my name. And then finally, here, as he's sitting around with his disciples, and he realizes that one of them is about to betray him, what does he do? He says that. He says, one of you is going to betray me. And they all start saying, who is it going to be? And he says, watch this. The one that I give this piece of bread to is the one. And he took a piece of bread, and he dipped it in the sop, and he handed it to Judas. And he says, I know you're going to do it. 
Go do it quickly. Well, what is it then in chapter 14? As he's talking to us. And he realizes that when it comes time that we have to face death. Now, that can be a lot of things. One, it can be the death of one that we love. There's probably not a person in this room that has not said goodbye to someone that you love. And you know that those experiences can be emotionally distressing, that you can be troubled, you can be torn to pieces, the feelings that come within you. It could be the trouble of facing our own mortality. There's some in this room today that have been told it won't be long. And all of us at different times, when it finally dawns on us that That's really the pathway that I'm headed on, that that's where I'm going. Someday I will die. But it also could be the other deaths of life. Not just physical death, but the the death of a great dream that we have in life. The death of a marriage in life. The death of some goal that we had set and suddenly it is no longer there. And suddenly we feel it in our throat, we feel it in our stomach, and our hearts start racing. Well, Jesus says, follow my example. And when that happens, and by the way, let's get back to a Greek lesson real fast. You know, we don't really translate this well. We translate it so it'll sound pretty. Let not your hearts be troubled. But really what Jesus is saying here, it's a present active imperative. And it's a better translation to say, when your hearts are troubled. Don't let your hearts keep being troubled. Since it's going to happen, and since you're going to come to times in your life when you are upset, don't let that keep happening. Do something about it. And what he says to do about it is trust in God and trust in me. I don't know of any advice that Jesus gave us, any direction that he gave us, that is more important than those words. Knowing that there will be times in our lives where our heart is ripped out of our bodies. He says at those moments, that's when you consciously make the decision. You say, now is the time for me more than ever in my life to trust in God and to trust in Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that you just go running as fast and as hard as you can, and you jump into his open arms. That you believe what he has told you about what life is all about. You believe that he has told what he tells you about the fact that he loves you. You believe the fact that he has told you that you will live with him forever. You believe the fact that he's told you he will walk with you. He will abide with you. He will do all these things for you. He will hold you up. You just run and you jump into that and you say, I am going to live by that totally. Two things. Ready for Greek again? One is, it's really interesting to me that in Greek, you don't talk about trusting in God. You don't talk about believing in God. The preposition you use there is always into God. You trust into him. You trust into Jesus. Because that's what you do. You just throw yourself into him. It's not something that you stand on. You stand in it, all around it. You're immersed by it. And you go running into him as fast as you can. Now, Jesus 
knew that this was what trust was all about because later on he describes it a different way in this same passage. Whenever Thomas asked him a question about how to get there, he says, you know what? I am the road. I am the road there. And whenever you are upset, whenever your life has come to a dead end, whenever your heart is troubled, make sure you get back on that road. You follow me. You live with me. He gives two positives of that. We usually say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But those two words really mean, all three of them mean the same thing. He says, I'm the road, which means I am the truth, I'm reality, I'm a way of living. You just live the way that I have showed you to live, you live the way that I'm telling you about, and everything will be okay. I am the road through this mess that you are in. Can I use you again, Doug? Doug's always afraid. Every once in a while, Doug and I'll be talking. He says, you're going to use this in a sermon, aren't you? He's especially afraid of me about our racquetball games, but I, I'm not going to talk about those, okay? That's just what happens on the racquetball court stays on the racquetball court, okay? The other day, Bob Knox and Doug and I went down to our place in Kimball County. Bob was bringing some of his cattle down to put in one of our pastures, and it's a pasture we haven't been using for a while. And anyway, we put the cattle in. And then we had a few minutes. And I told him, I want to take you and show you our place. So I took him up and showed him a place that's really dear, near and dear to our hearts. This is the place that Pat grew up on. And we showed him where we we're going to put maybe a cabin and all this. And, and something came up about this other pasture down there. And I said, you know, I hadn't been in that pasture in years. Uh, it's our pasture, but I just haven't been there. But there's some beautiful places there. Let me show you those places. So we go down and open the gate and we drive through and, and, and we haven't had livestock there for a while. The hunters have been using it some and there's a few little roads cut and, and roads through pastures are basically bent grass, you know, you just kind of look to see where the grass is beat down and you follow along. Well, this road hadn't been driven on in a while and I hadn't been there for a while and I didn't really know how to get through to where I wanted to go to show Doug what, what was back there. And we drove for a while on the road and the road just went away. So we backed up and went over here. Well, no, it's not over there. No, it's not over there. And I was embarrassed that I couldn't get to where I wanted to get because I couldn't find the road. It dawned on me when I was reading this how much like life that often is. I know where I want to be. I know what I want to do. And sometimes I can't find the road to get there. And Jesus says, I am the road. I'm the way there. Wherever you need to get in life, you will get there if you travel in me, on me, through me. Follow me. I'll show you. I'll show you how to get through whatever it is that you are facing. Two more verses very quickly. All, Jesus also says in this passage that I'm going away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many, I know, we want to say mansions. Those of us who grew up on the King James Version, we've, we're going to sing a song at the end that talks about the mansions. It's not the word for mansion, sorry. It's just a simple word for room or space. But, but, you know, that's a beautiful thought. It, we, we sort of like the idea that, that we got this big mansion up in heaven. But Jesus says, what I'm going to do is I want you to know that in my Father's house, there's a lot of space. There's a lot of rooms. 
and I'm going there to prepare a room for you. I don't know how you feel about that, but I am so thankful that Jesus told me that because I'm kind of weird not telling you anything you didn't know. You asked me to describe myself. I can give you a lot longer list of my faults than I can my strengths. And there are ways for me to question whether or not God will ever embrace me or love me. And if you feel that way, you need to hear this passage too. That Jesus has gone to prepare a room just for you. As weird and strange as you are, there's going to be a place just for you in heaven with his Father. And then he goes on to say, if I've gone and prepared a place just for you, I'm going to come back and get you so you'll know how to get there. Because you see, I haven't died too many times in my life. It's probably just going to happen once. And I'm going to be kind of a new person at doing that. And one of the questions I get asked most often is, what is it like to die? And to tell you the truth, I don't know. Haven't done it yet. What I do know is that someone who has done it is going to be there for me when it's my turn. And he's going to say, I've been here before, done this before. Come on. I'll take you where you need to go. I remember one time years ago landing at an airport in Eastern Europe. It's right after the communist governments began to topple in Eastern Europe, and so many churches were sending missionaries over into those areas. And we landed at this airport that still looked very communistic. I mean, you know, you see pictures of old Soviet Union, and everything looks gray. That's the way it was. It was just gray. And I remember looking out there, and, and I, I couldn't understand anything that was being said. We were herded onto a bus that you just stood up on. It was kind of a square bus, and we were all standing there like this, and we were driving in. And all of a sudden, the bus doors opened, and the doors to the terminal opened. I could see cages in there and with people standing inside of cages. I had not a clue what to do, where to go, couldn't ask any questions. And suddenly there was this guy standing next to me. He said, sir, do you need some help? In English, the king's English, but still English. I could understand it. He was from England. He was a salesman for Motorola. And even though the churches had been quick to get into Eastern Europe, Motorola was faster, okay? And he had been there before several times. He said, I've been to this airport before. Just come with me and follow me. And I can't tell you the relief that I felt when I had to step into one of those cages and he was saying, it's okay, they're going to let you out. <laughs> okay. Isn't it going to be great when we close our eyes for that last time, not knowing what lies on the other side, to know that Jesus has promised that he'll be there with us, saying, I've got a room just for you. I've done this before. Come with me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. 
that were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place just for you, trust me, I will come back and take you to myself so that where I am, you can be too forever. Let's stand and sing.